good morning. By the way, uh, if you don't know, those are two of my three kids, and just turn to your neighbor and say, there's hope. Oh, because, man, I remember like those junior high years, and they'd be on the front row not like singing, not raising their hands, and my wife would be like, tell them to worship. And uh, uh, like the whole church was looking at them, and man, you just wonder like sometimes during those teenage years, are they going to turn around for the glory of God? And there is hope, and so proud of all three of my kids, and they all love the Lord, and uh, so anyhow. All right, if we're going to clap, let's all do it together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Praise God. Say hi to your neighbor on both sides. Say, what's up? What's up? Come on, welcome everybody online watching the service online. It's good to have you. I said welcome everybody watching the service online. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God's moving. I said God's on the move. How many want to be a part of the move of God? Amen. Have you heard about what's going on at Asbury College? Yeah. Do it here, Lord. Do it here in Oxnard. You know, I just read a, a tweet and somebody said the coolest thing is there's no lights and there's just one guy on a piano and one guy on like a drum and there's not a lot of hype and just God showed up. I mean, you know, when God shows up, you don't need a lot of hoopla. And uh, it's so awesome. Um, um, we're like day 10 or 11, just can you imagine 24 hours through the night? And it'd be awesome to be a student. You're like, no tests, no papers, no, yeah, just soak in the presence of God. So. And, uh, but, yeah, that's our prayers. We want God to do something here on the West Coast, particularly in the city of Oxnard and the county of Ventura. Can I get amen in the house? Amen. All right. So uh, just want to let you know next week, uh, I want you to be here next week if you, if you can. And I'm going to preach a message like, I don't know what the title is, something like, should I or shouldn't I? I mean, there, there's just some gray areas in the Bible. There's just like a lot of gray areas that... I mean, how many of the Bible's crystal clear on certain things? But other areas, you're just like, I don't know. It doesn't come out and really say it. So I'm going to give you five things next week, and I'll probably really tick you off, and you're going to get mad and offended and walk out, but that's okay. Uh, that, I have the gift of offense. I'm, I'm gifted to offend people. And I mean, know that Jesus did as well. And people walked away from his ministry because they said, this is a hard saying. So... Next week, it's going to be a hard saying. So if you're kind of a wimpy Christian, you need to stay home. Go shopping or something. Amen. I love the story of the pastor, first Sunday at church. And uh, he got up and right before the message, he said, hey, uh, I just want to get better and better. I'm a brand new preacher. And so any comments that you have, uh, just come up to me after the service is over. And I just want to, I want to improve. And so bring it on so that. After he preached the message, he was out in the lobby greeting people, and a guy came up, and he said, that was a terrible sermon. And the pastor said, why? And he said, well, actually, three things. He said, three things? And he said, yeah, number one, you read it. Number two, you read it poorly. And number three, it wasn't worth reading in the first place. And just then, another guy came up and said, hey, pastor, don't listen to Bob. Bob just repeats everything else he hears in the church. So hopefully I won't get into those comments after the service here. That's a joke. It was not a true story. God, you guys are so sensitive. Stand to your feet, would you, for the reading of the Word of God, 1 Samuel chapter 3. How many were feeling bad for the pastor? It's just a joke. Tell your neighbor, it was just a joke. Just relax. I've noticed this about the first service here. So sensitive. 
1 Samuel chapter 3. Well, I'm going to talk about hearing the voice of God, hearing the voice of God. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 11. Listos. All, all the white people that was ready. Uh, are you ready? The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Under Eli, in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord. By the way, that's awesome. Because verse 1 tells us he's just a little boy, but he's lying down in the house of the Lord. Just wondering, do we have any 12-year-old boys or girls, 12 or under, like 5 to 12, 4? We got, we got a few of them here. I can't even see your hand. You're so small, but uh, yeah. Somewhere back there. Um, isn't that awesome that, huh? What's up? And then we got somebody here in the middle. That's cool that a, a small boy was laying down in the house of the Lord. That's a whole sermon right there. That's, that's awesome right there. Again, verse 3, the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. We could say where the presence of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, the little boy, and Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me? Eli said, no, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went down and lay down. Again, the Lord called. Notice the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me? My son, Eli, said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. I mean, he knew the Lord, but he didn't know the voice of God. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me? Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went down and lay in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling at, as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. By the way, that is a prayer that I want all of us to pray. Let's just say it. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, verse 11, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. God, that's our prayer this morning as we open up your word. We pray, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Help us to hear your voice. So we might be obedient to the things that you've called us to do and be. Bless the word as it goes forth in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated there. You may be seated. You may be seated there. Thank you, brother. Give it up for Caleb over here. Makes me sound so good. I want, to, I want to start with this quote, uh, famous theologian Dallas Willard. Uh, it's coming on the screen. Dallas Willard said this. He said, if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is to tell them that they could have a personal relationship with God. I mean, that, that's a, that would be a disservice to tell people, like, you can have a relationship with God, but he doesn't speak to you and you can't speak to him. And he said, that, that's the greatest disservice. How many know from the book of Genesis chapter one, verse three, God said, and God said, all the way through the revelation and everywhere in between, how many know we see this phrase over and over, and God said. How many believe that God speaks to his people today? I, I do today, but I, I think that the problem is sometimes that we're not ready, we're not tuned into his voice. 
Do you know that all over the room right now, there are radio waves and TV waves running through this building right now? But the reason why we can't hear them or see them is because we don't have reception. And I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a hard time hearing the voice of God. I don't know sometimes, is that me? Is that God? Was it too much chorizo from breakfast? I, I don't know. I'm kind of, don't let me up here. Anybody else? You, you have a hard time hearing the voice of God? And uh, I, I want to help us this morning hear the voice of God. And I, I think there's extremes in hearing the voice of God. I, I was raised Catholic like so many people. And I don't know. I don't think I ever had a framework. I don't think I ever sat in a mass, a service, and the priest said, this is how you hear God. I, I just assumed that only the priests and the people up on the platform can hear God. And so, again, I didn't have a framework for this is how you hear the Lord. And so on one extreme, it's like complete silence. God never talks. Or if he does, he only talks to spiritual people. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you've ever met people like this, like God's talking to them like all the time audibly. And he told me to pull into this certain parking spot. And I was going to get a Denver omelet, but I, in, instead I got chili killies or something. I, I don't know. And I mean, you know, people like that. I went to the movie theater and God gave me a word for the person over the candy counter. And I prophesied to the usher and I'm like, Really? Like, so one extreme is like God is silent. He never says anything. If he does, it's only to spiritual people. On the other extreme is like God's talking all the time and it's in an audible voice. And by the way, I've never heard God speak in an audible voice. But I do hear him speak all the time. Do you, I believe this, that the second you woke up this morning, God's been speaking to you. Yeah. See, the thing isn't, is God speaking? The question is what? Are we listening? Are we listening? And so I, I think sometimes Psalm 46.10 says, be still, be still. Someone say, be still. Be still and know that I am God. The Bible says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. He who has an ear, not a mouth or a nose, but an ear. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They know my voice. That it wasn't chorizo, or, but it was, it was the voice of God. Now, how, how do you hear God? Is that the question you had? Okay, go ahead and ask me. But act, act, like, act like it's a question and you're really concerned. Like, well, I, I want to tell you. I, I want to give you uh, five things. I want you to write down these five things. It's kind of a grid to hearing the voice of the Lord. Here's five things. Number one, you got to write it down. I'm looking. Are you taking notes right now? Okay, number one, the, the first way and the primary way that God speaks is through the Bible. Through the Bible. The number one way that God speaks is through the word of God. Notice in 1 Samuel 3 again, uh, it says the lamp of God had not gone out. The lamp of God. Someone say the lamp of God. Psalm 119 verse 105 says your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so the number one way that God speaks to us is through this word right here. That's why every Sunday morning, whosoever's up here is going to open up the word of God and preach from the Bible. Come on, this is the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. It's the word. Come on, someone say the word. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so that, that little phrase there, hearing by the word of God, it means a now word from God. I mean, no, we need a now word from God. I need a word today. I can't live on what he said a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. Faith comes by hearing. I need, I need to hear the word of God today for my future tomorrow. Come on, someone say a now word. 
an hour word. I can't live off, off past words. I need to hear God today. If I don't hear him today, I might make a mistake tomorrow. It's Abraham sacrificed his son Isaac, and he was about to kill him. And what did God say? God said, Abraham, don't kill your son. I know now that you fear the Lord. And so he didn't sacrifice and kill his son because he heard the voice of God. If we hear the voice of God, we won't sacrifice some things tomorrow and next week and next month. We won't put our purity on the altar, our virginity on the altar, our marriage on the altar. So we need a now word from God. And every time I open up this book privately with God and then publicly here on Sunday morning, God, how many believe God speaks to us? Notice this, Samuel, verse 3, was lying down in the house of God. In other words, he was, key word here, he was planted. Come on, someone say planted. You hear God when you're planted in the house of God. Not when you come every once in a while. Not when your atten attendance is sporadic. But you're planted in the house of God. Because when we open up the word on Sunday morning, he speaks to us. When worship happens, how I many know he speaks to you during worship? He speaks to you in your small group. He speaks to you at youth service on Wednesday night. But you got to be in an atmosphere, in an environment to hear God. you got to be planted in the house of God. So let me just say, you have to be planted. The second thing is in the house of God. Let me just say this. We would love for you to attend this church. But if not this church, you need to get planted somewhere. There's a lot of great churches in the area that I would go to. But you got to get planted somewhere, serve somewhere, give somewhere. Open up your heart somewhere. Sacrifice somewhere. He was laying in the house of God. You got to be planted. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you got to be planted. By the way, look at me. Look at me. Everything awesome in my life happened in the church. I got saved in the church. I got saved in the church. I got discipled in the church. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at the church. Got water baptized at the church. Got married in the church. Dedicated our kids in the church. How I many wonderful things happen when we're planted in the house of God? And the number one way we hear, number one way we hear the word of God and the voice of God is through the Bible. But you got to be in an environment to hear him speak. That's why, listen, bananas don't grow in Alaska. They grow in Jamaica. You got to have the right environment. You got to be planted in the house of God. How many are grateful for the word of God? The Bible, the Bible. Bible. Let me just ask you a question. Does this word have preeminence in your life? Does it have the final authority? So when someone says, hey, it just seems like you've been a little edgy lately. Just, I don't know, you just seem a little angry. If the word of God has preeminence, then you say, you know what? You're exactly right. I don't know, I've just been going through some stuff and I apologize for being a little short, a little angry. That's, that's the word of God having preeminence in your life. No preeminence? I'm not angry. All right, you're not angry. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I just, I just noticed this. That, like, you're holding on to something. You haven't forgiven that person. And I'm just telling you, you got to let that unforgiveness go because it's going to cause you to get bitter, not better. If the word of God has preeminence, you're like, you know what? God's been challenging me on the same thing. And you're exactly right. I need, I need to forgive that person. Yeah. If it doesn't have preeminence, who do you think you are? You don't know what they did to me. I will never forgive that person. The word of God has preeminence and you're living with someone you're not married to. And someone challenges you. If the word of God has preeminence, you're like, you know what? I just got saved a couple months ago. I didn't even know I shouldn't be living with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. Hey, thank you for pointing, my, pointing that out. I, I never even knew that. 
Because all my friends and all my family, that's what they did before they got married. They lived together. So I'm going to thank you for having the courage and the boldness to challenge me on that. That's the word of God having preeminence. No preeminence? Get out of my face, mind your own business, shut your mouth. Who do you think you are? That's what I've got a couple times in my life when I've challenged people. So does the word of God have the final authority on your life? It's the number one way that we hear God. By the way, this is so important. God will nev never tell you to do something that contradicts this book. He's never going to be like, hey, I know what my word says, but for you, I'm going to give you an exception. Never, ever. He'll never t tell you to not pay your taxes or cheat on your taxes. He'll never tell you to marry or date a non-Christian. He'll never do it because he's already said in his word what he's never going to do it. Someone say he'll never do it. So, so. Make sure that you understand that he's never going to tell you something privately that will contradict what he's already said in his word. Can I get an amen in the house? So number one is the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Number two, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. I don't know, I remember when I first got saved, um, I would read like a lot of the Old Testament stories. And I'm like, it would be awesome if God would speak like he spoke in the Old Testament. You know what I'm saying? Like to Elisha, he said, I'm, I'm not going to speak in like the big whirlwind or an earthquake. I'm going to speak how? Still small voice. Like that'd be cool. If God's just like, hey, Steve, Steve. It'd be cool to hear like that, that voice, right? How, how about like, you, you know, you read the plagues in the book of Exodus. I'm like, that would be cool if God just like showed up with some plagues. Huh? Like, but, you know, on your enemies and stuff, just like God... Millions of frogs in their house. That would be awesome. Lice. Huh? Get them, God. I'm like, that would be cool. That would be cool. How about, do you know that God spoke in the Old Testament through a donkey? That would be cool. Like, hey, God, can you talk through my dog Marley? Like, tell me some inside stuff. That, that would be cool. And then I discovered, like, no, in the New Testament, it's better than the Old Testament. Because we have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. So we don't have to worry, you know, worry about plagues and dogs and things like that. God, God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. Check out this verse, Acts 16, 6 and 7. It says, next Paul and Silas traveled through the area of, just checking to see if it's up, Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had, what, had prevented them. In other words, no, you're not going there. From preaching the word in the province of Asia at the time, then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again, the Spirit did not allow them to go there. Notice he prevent, no, no, don't go there, and don't go there, I want you to go here. Again, let me say, I've never heard an audible voice, but I hear the Holy Spirit checking me all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, see, you got to watch your attitude there. You were a little short there. You kind of went off on that person on the freeway because they cut you off. and You need to settle down there. You know what I'm saying? All the time. Turn the channel. Do not watch that show. Not an audible voice, but in my spirit. Turn the channel. You know what I'm saying? Apologize. Ask for forgiveness. And so we have the Holy Spirit inside of us that is constantly checking us. When we started the church in the hotel residence in 1997, I remember after the service, it was communion Sunday, and a lady came up to me and uh, she goes, I got a word for you. Here's a little different. <laughs> By the way, almost everybody has a word for the pastor. But anyhow, that's another, that's another. I got a word for you. And she said it kind of weird. She said, I got a word for you, pastor. She literally, she said this to me. She said, you made a mistake. And I'm like, how come? And she says, you were supposed to wear red today. And I was like, why? She said, today is communion Sunday. 
And red stands for the blood of Jesus Christ. You made a mistake. I wanted to say it's also the color of the devil's pitchfork. But look at me. Listen, look at it. Listen, I, I highly doubt the Lord's looking over my closet and he's like, not that one. That shirt right there. I don't think he really, like as long as it's conservative, right? I don't really think he's picking out clothes for me on Sunday morning. But the Holy Spirit does speak. Can I get an amen in the house? The Bible says in John 16, 13, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. Truth. So if you were plopped into the Amazon right now, would you rather have a compass, a GPS, or a personal guide that lives in the Amazon to get you out? I'm going with the personal guide. Why? Because this is uncharted territory. I've never been in the Amazon before, and I don't know how to get out. How many know that your future is uncharted territory? And what you need is the Holy Spirit that will guide you and to lead you in places that you've never been before. That is good preaching right there. Someone shout amen. All right, number one, the Bible. Number two, the Holy Spirit. Number three, here's, I just want to call it this. Uh, my, I, I, God speaks through life situations. God will use all kinds of things, your failure, your success, a disappointment, a job loss, a health scare, an accident, a tragedy, a celebration. He'll use the bad and the negative things. How do I know that? The Bible says what the enemy intended is for evil, God uses it for good. I, I want to I venture to say this. Almost everybody in the room, ever, anybody watching online, the reason and the way that we got saved was probably through a difficult season in our life. Loneliness, bankruptcy, a divorce, a relationship that went wrong. I, got, I, I lost my job. And in that time, how many know that God will speak to you in life situations? So you, you just got to understand that, that even the things that come to discourage you and devastate you, God's using those to draw you to him. So sometimes, sometimes we just got to think about where we're at in our life. In other words, if you have three small kids under the age of six, it probably wouldn't a wise thing to take a job that's going to require you to travel 250 days out of the year. That's just common sense. Just, just look at your situation in life. So when our kids were younger, uh, I didn't travel that, that much. I wasn't speaking that many places. In fact, I, I started to take some seminary classes in the valley and um, I took four or five, six classes and it was just, I had to drive an hour there, drive an hour home, all the homework and our kids were young and in sports. And I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. Now, I'm not saying that education wasn't important, but for that time frame in my life, what was more important was my kids and coaching their teams and being at their games. So it just got to, like, sometimes we got to stop being so hyper-spiritual because I think sometimes we're so spiritual, we're stupid. Did I just say that in church? Yes, I did. I apologize. All the six-year-olds just turned to their parents. He just said stupid. I know. That's why they should be in the children's ministry class. So I got three kids in high school. Maybe it's not the best time to move to another. I got a freshman, a sophomore, and a senior. I'm going to uproot them in the middle of their high school years so I can move to this state to buy a bigger house with a swimming pool. That might not be the best decision because, like, have you thought about they got to go make new friends, you got to find a new church, and it might not be the right thing. So sometimes life situations will speak to us. True or false? True. Life, someone say life situations. Check out this verse. I love it. Colossians 3.15 on the screen. It says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Someone say rule. 
Since as members of one another you were called, let the peace of God rule. It's actually the interpretation is let the peace of God be the umpire. Umpire. Let God's peace be the umpire. How I many know? I, I said it earlier that this book is clear on what to do. There's a lot of things that we're called to do. You got to love one another, serve, you got to give, you got to be kind, you got to be compassionate, you got to be forgiving. Then it also says some things that we don't do. We don't lie, we don't steal, we don't cheat, right? But again, there's some things that we're, we're not really sure about. We just had our fourth kid, so should he have a vasectomy or should she have her tubes tied? Is that too much for Sunday morning? Honey, <laughs> I mean, the Bible's not clear on that. So I, I don't know. You got to be led by the Spirit. You got you to talk it out. You got to look at your life situation. How, how, many are, how, how many people in the room are single? Just raise your hand really high. Be proud of that, single. Just keep it up. Let me see if I can connect a couple of people right here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, no, on all the single, I want to know this question. Have you ever been told that there's one person out there? God's got one person for you, and you got to find it. How many have ever heard that before? I don't believe that. I don't believe it. Because, like, what, what happens if you went and married Sally, but you were supposed to marry Jessica? You made a mistake, and now Jessica marries the wrong person, and you have messed up the whole romantic harmony of the entire race and everybody's married to the wrong person having wrong babies I, I don't I don't believe that I don't I don't believe it someone say I don't believe it yeah I think there's a lot of great people out there that you can marry and uh let listen let the peace of God be your umpire how many have ever sensed this like you're praying on something it was a good opportunity it seemed like the door was opening up people in my life were saying yeah I, I think that might be the Lord but you didn't have a peace about it. So it's like, this was, this was, but I don't know. I just, there's a, there's an unsettling here. I, I just don't have God's peace on the situation. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And then, how I many of the, the, the opposite is true too. Sometimes people are like, I don't know if that's the right thing. And, and. Circumstances don't seem like they're lining up. The door seems to be shutting, but you just have a peace like you're supposed to step out. You know what I'm saying? When we started the church, like a year or two into the church, a guy came to us, and we had three kids under the age of four when we started the church. I need to write a book, how not to start a church and when not to start a church. And uh, so, But we, had, we just had two small cars. We couldn't even get three kids, like, because you got to be in car seats, Right. So a guy in the church came to us and said, hey, I really feel like uh, we want to buy you a brand new minivan. That's what, like, minivans are really popular back then. I mean, top, top of the line. And he said, if we ever leave the church, you can still have the van. And we're like, wow, this is awesome. This is an open door, right? And guess what? We prayed about it for a couple of days, and we just felt like we weren't supposed to take it. I mean, it seemed like, yeah, we needed a van. You're top of the line? Yeah. It was something that we needed, but there was just an unsettling in our spirit. We just didn't have peace about we were supposed to do that. Wouldn't you know that a couple months later he bolted out of the church and, and it could have went really sideways. And it was just God's peace was ruling us in that situation. And now, now our kids are old and out of the house and I want a new sports car, so... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just... So meet me after the service. That's pretty funny. All right, number four. Here's the fourth thing. 
Um, this is really important. Godly people. Godly people. <laughs> Write that down, godly people. Check out, check out verse 1 again. The boy Samuel, remember he's just a boy, ministered before the Lord. Next word. The boy Samuel, tell him I said hello, by the way, whose ever's phone that is. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord. What's the next word? Say it out loud. Look at, look at the text. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord. Next word is what? Under. Someone say under. In other words, Eli was a, a mentor to Samuel. He helped him hear the voice of God. Uh, years ago, I went to Hong Kong with the pastor. We went on a missions trip, and I remember getting in the car, and I asked the driver. We were driving somewhere to a church or something, and I said, hey, have you ever been to the States? He said, yeah, what time? He said, I went to Cleveland. <laughs> and I was like, what's so funny about Cleveland? He said, well, what's funny about it is I finally landed in Cleveland, and the guy that was picking me up, my friend that was picking him up, um, I, I called him because he wasn't there, and, and, and he said he was baggage claim. I don't know, number four or something. And uh, so I got there, baggage claim four. I got my bags and I'm waiting for my friend and he wasn't there. So I called him like, hey, you said you'd be at baggage claim four. And he said, no, I'm here. He said, no, I'm, I'm standing under it. Uh, you're not here. And he said, no, I'm here. I told you I'd be wearing whatever, jeans and an orange shirt. He said, I'm wearing jeans and an orange shirt and I'm standing under baggage claim four. He says, I'm there, you're not there. He said, where are you at? And his friend said, Hopkins International Airport, Cleveland, Ohio. And he said, I live in Cleveland, Tennessee. <laughs> hey, you would have thought if you're spending thousands of dollars to fly across the world, you would get your communication right. And I wonder how many of us are standing in baggage claim. And God's like, hey, hey, I've sent godly people to speak into your life, but you're not listening to them. So God sends godly people. Hey, the key word here is godly people. Check out Proverbs 11:14 on the screen in the message. It says, without good direction, people lose their way. Notice this. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. Proverbs 24, 6. In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Someone say safety. And the multitude of godly count their safety. Remember a lady came up to me after church one time. She said, hey, Pastor Steve, um, I need your opinion. I said, okay. She said, uh, I've been kind of dating this guy. We went on a couple dates and stuff. He just got out of jail. He's not really a Christian, but he believes that there's a God out there. What should I do? I'm like, well, you should be friends with him, but you shouldn't date him. How come? Because the Bible says do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. I know, but he's really nice. I know he just got out of jail and stuff, but he's super nice. And, and I, 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 got, I think that he's got a lot of potential. And I'm like, no, no, don't, don't do it. Don't go there. Don't do I'm telling you. And I said, have you talked to anybody else? And she said, yeah, I talked to a couple of my friends that love Jesus. I said, what did they say? She said the same thing you said. And she said, and by the way, I actually talked to my old pastor. And I'm like, well, what did he say? She said the same thing that you said and my friend said. And I'm, I just want to say, Duh. All of God's people said. You got three or four godly people. I, I don't think I've ever made a big decision in my life without bouncing it off godly people. Hey, what do you think about this? Key, godly people. And if you have three or four people telling godly people saying, no, I don't feel good about that. Or yes, I think you should do that. As long as it doesn't contradict the word of God. Because the Bible says... 
We see in part and we know in part. I don't have it all figured out. So I need some godly people in my life. Listen, if you want financial advice, go to a banker. If you need counseling, go to a professional therapist. If you need godly wisdom, go to a pastor or an elder or someone that's mature in the faith. Well, I, I went to my sister Sally. She's not a Christian, but she's really smart. I went to my Uncle Tony. He's... He smokes a lot of weed, but the guy is, like, brilliant. <laughs> no, no, godly people. Godly, listen, godly people are going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Listen, you can find anybody to tell you what you want to do. But we need godly people in our life. They confirm the Holy Spirit's voice. They don't necessarily determine it. Did, have we, did I ever tell you how we started our church? Some of you. So we're praying with Andy and Jill are here in the back and we're praying. And I wasn't really clear because we, we were thinking about Santa Barbara, Goleta, Camarillo. So we're, I was just like, God, I need a sign. I need to, like, I need a sign. God, I need a sign. Have you ever prayed that, God, I need a sign? No sooner than that happened. Ding dong. I walked to the front door and there's nobody there except a flat of strawberries and a dozen tamales. No, it was, I'm serious, it was crazy. I'm like. No, it was, it was, I, I bet you it was less than five minutes. I'm just like, I need a sign, I need a sign. I open it up, I'm like. Oxnard is the strawberry capital of the world. They don't make good tamales in Thousand Oaks. <laughs> so I walked back and I said, honey, we're supposed to start a church in Oxnard. <laughs> Actually, I made up that whole story. That didn't happen at all. <laughs> Did not happen. You know how it happened? You, know, you want to know how it happened? So Andy and I, Jill and I, we prayed every Sunday night at their house for about a year. And we walked the neighborhoods of Oxnard and we, we talked to our pastor and I talked to some godly people, and after about a year of seeking the Lord, bouncing it off people, looking at the word of God, the spirit of God, God spoke to us and said, in fact, he gave me a vision in our prayer time, and I saw myself standing at the tower, the two buildings at the top one, and I just saw myself waving from the north, south, east, and the west. And I opened my eyes, and I said, we're supposed to start a church. It was after all those things, though, and it was confirmation. God, listen, godly people, if they're telling you, hey, do, do not date him, do not do the, do this, godly people, you need to listen to their voice. Because they, they can save you a lot of hell and headache in your life. I'm telling you, someone say godly people. It's really important. And then finally, number five, and I shared a little bit this at first, uh, first things first. Number five is the prophetic. The prophetic. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. That's my prayer for our church. God, pour out your spirit on all people. Raise your hand if you're an all people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people, men, women, young men, young women, old men. Your sons and your daughters will what? They're going to what? Prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. It's like God shouting at us two times. He said, and they will 
prophesy. Grab your Bible, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I read this passage at first things first, but I'm going with it again. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. The Bible says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire. I told the group at first thing, the word eagerly, those words eagerly, it just means have an appetite. You hungry right now? Yeah, me too. But have an appetite for the, here it is, for the gifts of the Spirit. Especially, especially what? Prophecy. Why? Because verse 2 says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks, stop. The one who prophesies what? Speaks. When you prophesy, you speak on behalf of God. We speak to people for their three things. If you give a prophetic word for someone, it should, it should include these three things. For their strengthening, their encouraging, and their comfort. Hey, I got, I got a word for you. God just put, put you on my heart. Yeah, well, what is it? God said you're going to die in the next six months. No, that's not, that's, that's not God. No, it needs to be strengthening, encouraging, and bring comfort to someone. That's the prophetic word. What is, what is the prophetic? Just delivering a message to someone on behalf of God. It could be a personal prophecy just during the service. God can give you an impression and just say, hey, would, I, I just feel like you need to go up to that person and just let them know that I love them. Well, that's dumb because they already know that. I know, but they need to be reminded of it. I, I, like God speaks all the time in our services. We just have to stop. That's why people go, well, I went to church, but I didn't really get anything out of it. No, but the reason we come to church is not to get anything out of it. Hopefully you do. The reason is, number one, to give glory and honor to God. But then we are the word to someone to, to bless them, to pray for them, to serve them, to lift them up. And a prophetic word does that. Anyone, verse 4, who speaks in tongues edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. So God will speak through the gifts of the Spirit, prophetic. Here we go. Here's the grid. The Bible. Let me say it again. God will never say something in this word that would contradict what he's already said. The Bible. Someone say the Bible. Number two, the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. That we are temples and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So listen. Listen to his voice. He's speaking all the time. Don't do that. Don't go there. Do this. Say this. Don't respond like that. Number three, just look at your, your life situation. Maybe it's not the right time to move or to take that new job. It's got to be sensitive to this season of my life. Listen, if you're single, you might have more time to do something. But if you're cranking, maybe you're not supposed to take on another project right now. Maybe you just need to focus on your marriage or focus on your family. Look at the life situation that you're in. Number four, godly people. Godly people. God, give us all Eli's that we can sit under. Listen, if you don't have anybody, ask somebody. 
There's a lot of people in our church that would love to pray with you and encourage you and speak into your life. And finally, the prophetic. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to pray. All right, just grab your hands just like this, put them in a place of receptivity. Father, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And we do what verse 9 says of 1 Samuel chapter 3. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. God, speak to us. Some need direction on a job, on a health situation, on a relationship. We need direction. We need comfort. We need guidance. We need a counselor. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the counselor. So, God, we submit to your plans, submit to your ways. And, God, we do not want to do anything that you're preventing us from doing, prohibiting us from doing. And we want to do what you want us to do. So speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. We thank you, Lord God, that we know your voice. And the voice of a stranger we won't entertain. We give you thanks and we give you praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And the saints of God said, Come on, we're going to sing one more song. Let's just put our hands together and thank God. Amen. Amen.